Good morning, everyone, on this gorgeous 4th of July weekend. Well, when Pastor Terry uh, shared with some of us a few months ago what he wanted to do in the summer series, shine, sharing Jesus naturally, I got really excited because that's so much of what my heart is and what the ministry is in the creative arts. Like he had shared uh, a little bit ago, so much what we try to do with the scripts and with our productions and even with just the media and stuff on the weekends is to kind of present Jesus in the most natural and authentic way possible, creating real characters with real dialogue and real stories, um, not contrived stories. In fact, I've made a few friends a little angry at me because they're like, I can't believe you put that in the script. And I said, well, that's what was real. So I borrowed from stories and telling stories. And we, but it's not always easy. And I think that the real emphasis on the series is the, the naturally part. How do we be authentic? It's such a challenge. And I was reminded of an illustration of the challenge of sharing our faith naturally. A few years ago, uh, in one of our open auditions, we have open auditions every year, by the way, and I hope what I'm about to share is not going to discourage anyone from coming out. They're next month. There's my plug. Um, but a few years ago, we had some open auditions. And uh, this woman came into audition, and she'd been a part of our community. And we gave her a monologue, and it was uh, a monologue from a script and from a production that we'd had a few years before. And she got up there, and she started going through the monologue. And oh, she was really accessible, and I was connecting with her character, and she was connecting, and she had a real gift in acting and authenticity, and I was really excited about it. And then it got into the God part of the script. And all of a sudden, the voice of Shakespeare came out of her, and the Lord God moved on the earth. <laughs> and I remember sitting in the back going, What just happened? <laughs> and I understand that. You know, suddenly when we get to talking about things of faith and things that are very deep in us, it's like we start to get self-conscious. And, and then I think we always start to think about, oh, how are they going to receive this? And what might they say back? And, and what if they say this? And what if I don't say it right? And, you know, we did a drama here a couple weeks ago where one of the main characters was saying, I don't even like to talk in general, much less talk about God. So maybe it's because we haven't talked about him very much, or we're just awkward about it, and we get self-conscious, and then we get very inauthentic. And that's what happened in that audition. It was such a perfect illustration of what happens. And what was interesting is after she was done, I came down and I asked her, I said, I said, so tell me how you came to know Christ. And we sat on the edge of the stage, and she shared with me all about it, and it was a great story. And I said, that's how you talk about it when you're on stage as well. It was a really interesting moment. But I don't always get it right, too. I am always struggling to try to present it in the best way I can with what I'm asked to do. In fact, this last um, Easter play, we were, we were um, going through a rehearsal, and there was a scene, and it was a, it was a new actor. She was new to our department, and new to, it was her first production. And she was, putting on, she was performing a scene in rehearsal for the first time in front of everybody. And I was, I was, as I was listening, I was listening to her do it. And when she was done, I went, oh, that's terrible. And the whole cast went, oh, and I went, the script, the script, the script was terrible. And I was like, get that back. Don't memorize it. Let me go rewrite it. It just doesn't sound natural. It's overwritten. It's just unnatural. And um, so it's a real struggle. But there's such a need to be authentic. Because I remember there was a quote I read years ago that said, people listen first for our authenticity, and then they'll listen to our words. And that's always stuck with me. That's always stuck with me. And so that's kind of what I want to share today. And I titled my message sharing with Jesus naturally. Because I want to suggest that before we can shine Jesus naturally to others, 
we have to be real and authentic and natural with him first. And I know this all too well, because there was a time in my life when I thought I could never share Jesus again, where I was very inauthentic about him. But before I get to that story, I want to share a scripture that's kind of going to set the table for where I want to go. It's in your handout. And it's 1 Peter 3.15. And Peter's writing to some churches to encourage them as they're facing persecution. And the church is nervous, and, he's, they, and they're worried. And so he says in, this, in, the, in verse 14, actually, that's not in your handout. He says, don't be afraid or worried about what might happen. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. That's the first thing. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. When someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. And I've always taken that to heart, always be ready. And so I want to lay that out there about where I'm going to go with my story. And as Pastor Terry had said that people have been sharing out of their own experiences, I want to share something today about my own experience. And I'm going to give you a little bit of background first. I grew up um, going to church on Sundays very kind of a formal church, altar boys, incense. And uh, I went on the weekends, and then I came home, and it didn't have much effect on my life. And it's kind of like I went and visited God on Sunday, and then I came and I, let, I led my life. And something happened when I went to college. I went to college, and towards the end of my years in college, my family broke up. After 27 years, my parents divorced, and I was pretty devastated. And I'll tell you, I know that Divorce, unfortunately, is very common in our culture. But as I would say that as prolific as it is, it's no less painful for any of the parties involved. It's no less painful. And I was devastated. And I was in a lot of pain. And I remember I reached out to God, and he was very formal and very distant. And I didn't know who he was. And so I was kind of faced with this choice. There's either more to God than I know, than I've experienced, or... It's all meaningless. There is no God, maybe there isn't anything, and it's all meaningless. And so I had this choice. More to God than I have experienced, meaningless. I'm gonna go with this one. So I tried this one. And there was a couple Christians in my university who, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the catchphrase, but there's truth in it. There was something different about them. They had something that I wanted. And so I sought them out, and they talked with me, and they shared naturally about Jesus with me. And I remember the first time they took me to a non-traditional church. Very interesting experience for me. And I remember walking in the front doors, and I was like, there's drums on stage. What's that about? And then the electric guitar started up, and I'm like, is that allowed? <laughs> I went to a church where if you coughed too loudly, it would be like, shh, shh, cough drop. And, uh, but it was like nobody, that was throughout the whole thing. And... Um, and so the you know, electric guitar started, and people started clapping, and there was worship, and I was watching. And then someone in the front row raised their hand, and I was like, oh, does she have a question? <laughs> and then somebody else raised their hand, and I'm like, oh, those two guys have a question. Is someone going to call on them? Why does everybody have questions? And my friend was like, they're worshiping. It's in the Psalms. I'll tell you all about it later. But that was kind of my first impression of a non-traditional church. And even though it was very kind of weird, I felt a pull and a tug on my heart. And there was something there that I wanted. And so I pressed in. I talked with my friends. I read the Bible pretty much for the first time in my life. 
And I remember sitting on my dorm room floor in Trevor Hall at my university at about 2 a.m. And I had a genuine encounter with a living God. I suddenly met the person of Jesus. And it changed me. It changed me radically. And I knew I was never going to be the same. And as I was going through my last year of college and going through my studies, and I had the opportunity actually then, because I was really excited. As I said, I was changed. And I was very passionate and I was shining. And uh, I had the opportunity to help do exactly what people did for me and lead a few of my friends in college to the Lord. And it was such a blessing. And as I was going through that, I started to feel a call on my heart to go into ministry. That ministry would actually be my vocation. Very different from my studies, very different from the direction that I was going in and I thought I was gonna be going in my whole life. And so I came back from college, I came home, I came back from college and again, I was excited. I was shining. Well, actually, I was probably glaring in people's faces and in their eyes, and I was like, Jesus is awesome! And I was all excited, and I shared with my friends and family that I'd grown up with my whole life, and some of them were like, that's great, and some of them were like, that's great for you. I'm sure we can all, or many of us can relate to that. But I was unthwarted, because I knew that I'd gotten a hold of something real. And so through some, conne through some connections, I got involved with a... Christian entertainment company, and it was a startup. They were starting up, and they were doing some really cool kind of pioneering things in, in the entertainment, and doing some sketch work, and all these kinds of things, and I was kind of very interested in getting involved. And it's interesting, because I didn't actually get involved in the creative end. I got involved in the marketing end, because I had an economics degree. And economics and marketing are very, very different, but I didn't care, because I totally wanted to get involved. And so I started in the marketing end of things. And it wasn't long before I slowly migrated over to the creative end. Because I'm like, I have a few ideas. Here's an idea for a script. Here's an idea for something. And just to give a little bit more background, it wasn't suddenly out of the blue. Because while I was studying and doing all of this other work in college and in high school, I was also, as a hobby, I was in every play. And I was in theater. And I was doing all this kind of fun stuff. And I would go to drama summer camps and classes. So that, to me, was my hobby. And I had no idea that that was going to be my gifting and my vocation. So I moved over to the creative really fast. But as with any startup company, whether it's Christian, nonprofit, or corporate, it takes a lot of work to get off the ground. And I started working a ton of hours. And I was like, that's okay, I was enthusiastic, I was awesome. I was gonna give back what God had given to me, there's no way I could repay. So I was gonna work and I was really enjoying it. And then I started to suffer in my prayer life and in my personal stewardship, my relationship with the Lord. The lines kind of got blurred between my work and my relationship. And it was almost kind of like I was saying, God, I'm too busy working for you to talk to you right now. Just hang on a second. And we're back to editing video and doing all my work. And slowly after time, then I started, I started feeling guilty about that. I should pray more. I, I should really spend more time with, with the Lord. And then, of course, when you start to feel guilty about not praying, it's not like you want to rush to prayer then because you're feeling guilty. And it was kind of this cycle where I was feeling too guilty, and then I, I was feeling bad about praying, and, and then I didn't want to pray, but then I should pray more, and it just became this, this bad cycle. And, you know, and, and, and when you start to disconnect from the person of Jesus, from the source of that love and grace and that power that I first experienced, I started to grow uh, despondent, and I felt some despair because I, I didn't know what was going on. And I started to feel this burnout coming, and then when you disconnect from, from, from someone like that, even if it's with a person, 
When you disconnect, you start to forget who they are, and then you start to project things onto them. And I was kind of predispositioned to this for our, in terms of like performance and earning, earning acceptance. And so I started working harder. Oh, I'm just going to work harder to gain my approval. And it started to become this really unhealthy thing. And I looked around me, and everybody else seemed to be fine. Everybody else's faith was great. But inside, something was wrong. But I'm like, I'm not going to let anyone know that. I'm going to put on the happy Christian face. I am great. Jesus is awesome. And, um, but it only furthered. I couldn't be real with God. And I was like, I was telling myself, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I shouldn't be feeling this way. I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be feeling this way. And it's so funny. I think that we say that a lot to ourselves. And I think it's kind of silly. Because, OK, whether or not you should feel that way, you feel that way. Now it's like your choice is what are you going to do with that? And so I was feeling all these things. And my choice? was to hide and sweep it under the rug and fake. Fake it till you make it. And I started to grow more and more despairing. And it came to a head when my boss came to me after a couple years and he said, hey, Gretchen, we've rented a booth at this broadcasting convention in Texas, and we'd like you to go represent the ministry for us. Will you go? And suddenly faced with the prospect of sharing Jesus and the ministry, I knew somewhere in my soul I couldn't do it because I couldn't share what I didn't have. And I was, that realization horrified me. In fact, one of my favorite authors put it this way. He said, I felt like I was an infomercial for God and I no longer used the product. And that's how I felt. And I told my boss, I didn't tell him why, but I said, no, I, just, I can't go this time. And so they went off to Texas, and I was like, I just need to get some rest. I just need to, I'll just go off, I'll go, get, get a vacation, go visit a friend in Seattle. And I remember two days after I got to Seattle, I came down with pneumonia, full-blown pneumonia. The doctor said, you're about two days from me putting you in an oxygen tent. That's how sick I got, because I was so run down from all that striving. And I remember laying there in bed, just barely being able to breathe. And I realized I didn't have the energy. I just didn't have the physical energy to put that face on anymore, to run any harder, to work any faster, to buck myself up anymore, and to keep that I'm great, everything's fine face on. And I finally got real with God. And I remember I couldn't even take the air in my lungs to cry, but tears were just pouring out of my eyes silently. And I finally got real, and I said, Lord, if this is what happens, if this is what it's like to serve you, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do it anymore. And it was almost as if I was saying goodbye. Because I was in such a bad state that I even began to doubt the goodness of God. I began to doubt what I had experienced. I began to doubt all of these things. And I tell you, honestly, in that moment, when I prayed that heartfelt, honest, open prayer, the Lord met me. Just as he'd met me at 2 a.m. on the floor of my dorm room, he met me in that moment. And I heard him say in my heart, he said, I'm not who you think I am. All of these things and projections that you've put on me, that's not who I am. Come, let me show you who I really am. Wow. And from that moment for about the next year was probably one of the darkest, difficult years of my life. It's one of those years where you'll say, boy, I never want to live through that again, but I would never trade that year 
for all that's within me. And, I, and so I ended up leaving the organization. And again, I started wrestling with my doubts. And after a little bit of time, I found my way here to Cornerstone Church. And I found a place where I could be real. People weren't perfect. People didn't have that perfect face on. And I could share my struggles. And I could be honest about my doubts and my angers and my fears and all that was going on within me. And through that whole time, I felt the Lord holding on to me and saying, come back, come back, come back. Learn who I am, know who I am. And I had a lot of trust issues. I don't know, I did tell myself, I will never work in ministry again. I made a lot of those declarations. But slowly over time, I began to feel a work in me again. And it's kind of, um, it's exactly like Philippians 1.6. It's in your handout. But it's the, let's take a look at it. And it says, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it was finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Because in that year, I thought, what happened? I had this great thing. I knew it was real. And then I shipwrecked. And then I shipwrecked. And I thought I was doing what I was gifted to do. And now I don't even know what I'm doing. And um, this work was in me. And God was faithful. And God could handle all of the stuff that I was feeling, good and bad. And I was sharing and I was being authentic. And I slowly but surely, through God's hand, through the community around me, encouraging me, sharing me their stories and their struggles, I was encouraged and restored. And then I found myself in a place where I could start to use my gifts again. And I volunteered, wrote a few scripts, did a few uh, plays, slowly came on part-time, and then I came on full-time. And I kind of kept a low profile, because I kind of said in my mind, you know, I don't think... I, 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 I can be an effective witness now because, you know, I, I shipwrecked. But I'm going to do my work, and I'm going to serve the Lord. And right at about that time, an old friend of mine called me up. And he is someone I grew up with my whole life. I have, I have one sister, and all my cousins are girls. So I grew up with all girls. And this was a family friend, and he was my agent. He was like my brother, my only brother. And uh, we had kept in touch all through school, and his family had moved away in high school, but we still kept in touch. And in college, we kept in touch. And then... Um, when I had come back from college and I was all excited about the Lord, he was one of those, well, that's, that's good for you. And, um, and then he had gone overseas to work for a few years. And he, he had he'd gone overseas to work at about the time that I had melted down. And so the last he'd heard that I had left the ministry and I was kind of in a bad place. And we didn't keep in touch while he was over, overseas. But he called me up and he said, hey, I'm back in the States and I'm in San Francisco. Would you like to go to dinner? And I was really glad to see him and I was really excited. And so I was on my way to meet him for dinner and I remembered, oh, no. He's going to probably ask me what I'm doing now. How am I going to explain that? And I started to feel all that self-consciousness come back in. And what am I going to do and how am I going to say? He heard how I was after college and then he knew that I'd melted down. And so I started going all this stuff and I started getting very nervous. And so the dinner started, and I was like, hey, how are you doing? What's going on with you? How is your family? Tell me more about that. Keep him talking. Keep him talking. And eventually, I couldn't avoid it anymore. And he said, OK, enough about me. Gretchen, what are you doing? What are you up to? Where are you working? And I said, well, I'm still in creative. I'm doing videos and creative dramas and that kind of thing. And he was like, oh, that's great. What company do you work for? And I was like, um, Cornerstone? He goes, oh, what company is that? What kind of work do they do? I was all, um, well, actually, I work for Cornerstone Church. 
I work in the creative arts department. And he looked at me. And let me tell you, this is someone I love. This is someone I knew my whole life. This is someone whose opinion mattered to me, whose relationship mattered to me. And he was also a, pretty, a very intellectual type of guy, too. So I knew what I was dealing with. And he said, didn't, didn't, you, walk, didn't you leave all that? Didn't, did, weren't you done with that? What happened? Why? Why are you back in ministry? That's the movie moment, you know, the, the push-in lens and the background goes to the back. And I was like, what am I going to say? And I thought, again, put on the happy face. Don't tell him the bad stuff. I don't want him to think, I don't want to make God look bad. I don't want to make Christians look bad. Just tell him the good stuff. Tell him the good stuff. I so wanted him to know the Lord. And I was afraid that if I shared my doubts and my fears, that he would latch onto those and it would be a point of debate and all the stuff you can imagine. And I'm spiraling in, I'm thinking all these things and in about 0.7 seconds, all these things were going on. And all of a sudden I stopped myself. And I said, Gretchen, all that happy fake sell the package deal, that's how you got into trouble in the first place. That's how your faith ran into trouble in the first place. And I made a conscious decision in that moment, because I had made that decision before already. If I'm gonna do this again, I'm gonna be real and honest with the Lord about how I'm feeling and what's going on. And so I was faced with that moment and I said, I made that decision. And I said, well, friend, let me tell you what happened. And I was very open and honest about all that had happened between when I had left, why I had left, and how I had built back and how the Lord had been faithful and done a work in me and how now I would say my faith was even deeper and more authentic than it had been before because it had survived a substantial <clears throat> shaking. And when I finished, I braced myself. I was like, here it comes. And I'm a debater, so I kind of know the things that he could have picked out and started to go at. Plus, he's got a whole wealth of history and background on me that he could pull out. And I waited. And he was quiet for a minute. And you know what happened next? It was shocking. It was not at all what I expected. And after a minute, he said, Gretchen, can I tell you some things? I said, yeah. And he began to open up about all the things that had been going on in his life through his childhood, some pretty awful, horrible things, things that I didn't even know about. Our families were friends, and we didn't even know that was going on. He told me how in college he was so miserable and hurting that he would cut himself every day. And then he told me that when he had graduated, he had tried to commit suicide twice. And I'm like, oh, I felt the heaviness and, and, and the despair in him. And I'm like, and I knew him when all this was going on, and he never said a thing to me. And I'll tell you, we were there for like three and a half hours in that restaurant, and it was probably the most real and authentic conversation that we had had in our 20-some years of friendship. And I was like, wow, what triggered that? What was the difference? And I thought, it was probably because I made myself vulnerable and real and open. And it gave him permission to share what was going on in his life. And we were able to talk in an authentic and natural way. And I'll tell you, that choice that I made at that table and that conversation that ensued has changed the way that I approach ministry. And I just want to kind of drive this point home and all that I've just shared is that 
I couldn't have had that conversation. I couldn't have been that natural and that open and that honest if I hadn't first been that natural and open and honest with the Lord. This is where I hurt. This is where I'm struggling. This is where I'm not sure. Help me. And so as we think about what I just said, I kind of want to leave us with a few points. Just takeaways to really think about why we share Jesus. And the first thing I'll say is we share Jesus because it makes us take inventory of our walk with the Lord. Like I had shared when my boss came to me and at the prospect of going and sharing and representing at that convention, it suddenly made me go, I don't know if I can. It made me take inventory of where I was. And not just me, I know this happened recently with someone in the department. We had put out a casting call and we had said, hey, who's available? Who was interested in being considered for a role in the drama? And this brother had emailed me and said, I'm very interested, and he'd been involved in dramas before, I'm very interested in being involved in the drama. But let me tell you, there's some things that I'm struggling with, there's some doubts that I'm having, and I don't know if that will affect my authenticity in a certain character. So I just want to say that before you think about how you want to cast the play. And I called that brother up and I said, thank you so much for your honesty. I so appreciate your respect for what we do up here, but I also thank you for your honesty. How can I encourage you? with some of these doubts and these struggles that you're having. So it makes us take inventory. But I want to emphasize the good as well. Because when I went to share with my friend at that dinner table, it helps, it makes us take inventory of the good, what God has done, his faithfulness to me over that really dark period of time. I remembered how I first met him. And we start to need to think about these things. It's kind of like in the Old Testament, the Israelites, whenever they had a miracle or a deliverance of the Lord, they built an altar that reminded them of God's goodness. I think we need to do whatever that looks like. We need to build those altars, take inventory of the good things of God. And if we keep those in our mind and in our heart, it's what Peter said, then we're ready. And then it comes out naturally because we're speaking out of our own experience. And this leads me to my second point. We share Jesus because everybody has something that they can share that can benefit someone else. I guess if I put this... In the shorthand, share what you got. Share what you got. Some people might think, oh, you know what, I'm not like Pastor Terry, I'm not like Skip, Pastor Skip, I can't share the way they share. I don't have a Bible scholar degree, or I'm new to this faith. Or maybe you're like me, where I felt I was pretty disqualified, because I'd shipwrecked. I was disqualified, I really couldn't share. What could I say that could possibly help someone else? You have something to share. Because I said, as I said before, some of the people getting around me and sharing their experiences really encouraged me on my walk. Helped me. They helped me. Everybody has something to share. Let me break it down to the smallest thing. If this is your first time ever to set foot in a church and you got past the drums and the questions, <laughs> you know, first of all, welcome. If this is your first time, Cornerstone, welcome. You're welcome here. But if you felt something, maybe in the music, in your heart, or maybe something that's been said or shared, You've got something that you can share. You might be like, I don't know about the rest of it all, but I felt something there. Felt something to people. You've got something to share. Share what you got. And my last point, which is close to my heart and all that we do in the creative arts, is we share Jesus because the Lord has a unique story to tell through each one of us. Each one of us has a unique story to tell that only we can tell and that only we can tell in the most natural way because it's ours. Be encouraged by that. And I wanted to show you on this point this, this fun thing that happened this week. So the last thing I'll say. 
Creative Arts is gearing up for our annual Arts and Improv Night, Friday, July 22nd. There's my second plug. It's coming up in a few weeks, our annual Arts and Improv Night. And we're taking open submissions. And the theme this year is, uh, as we're sharing Jesus naturally, we're saying we're sharing Jesus artistically. And so there's a brother in this church that has um, been a volunteer. And he came and he said, you know, I've got something that I want to submit for the Arts Night. Would you consider it? And we're like, absolutely. So we made an appointment. And he came in this past Monday. And he met with us in our office. And he shared his story. And it was an amazing story. He'd been in a gang, drugs, violence, everything you can imagine. And he'd come out, and he'd met the Lord, and it had, again, radically changed his life. Like it had mine, it had radically changed this brother's life. And he sat in our office, and he told, but he told his story in a very unique way. He started by singing, and then he busted out in some spoken word and some rap, and it was awesome. And he was just going for it, and I was all, yeah! And when he finished, I was like, yeah! Word! Dude! I was like, I want to rap. I wish I could rap. What would my story sound like if it was in rap? And I was like, and then I dismissed it as quick as possible because that would be really lame. But it was awesome. And I was dude! Yeah! And I'll tell you, he's going to be at Arts Night, so if you want to hear it, come. But I just sat there, and I just love it when you see the Lord giftings operating in people. And here he was sharing his unique story with his unique voice. And it was so natural to him. It was so natural. As Peter says, always be ready. When someone asks you for your Christian hope, always be ready to give an answer. Shine. So the band's going to finish up by sharing a song. And it's called Let It Out Now. And it speaks to that last point. We all have a unique story to tell. And one of my favorite lines in it, it says, everyone has their own sound. Don't you all know God's children have their sound? Everyone has their own sound. So I hope the song blesses you. But I'm going to pray before the ushers come up and receive our offering. Lord, thank you for this time of sharing. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit of my story. I hope that it encourages others to share their story, for there is power in the sharing of your story and our story. And I pray for all of those right now who might be struggling with that desire to be authentic and honest before you. Maybe there's things that they're ashamed of, afraid of, feeling bad about. Lord, I pray that they would have the courage to share with you, for you are a safe place. And Lord, I pray for those who may be a little timid about sharing with others, that Lord, that they would just shine that they would be reminded of all that you had done for them and are doing for them. And they would be ready to be, be that witness for you. Thank you, Lord, for shining first in our hearts. May us shine out to the others. In Jesus' name, amen.